Okay, so tonight we're going to warm up <laughs> with a little bit of empirical rule. Um, I'm going to try number 30 here. I'll, uh, I'll read it first. Okay. It says, SAT math scores have a bell-shaped distribution with a mean of 515 and a standard deviation of 114 points. First thing I'm going to do is draw it. It wants us to use, it says, what percentage of SAT scores is between 401 and 629? Now, let me ask you this. If it didn't blatantly say the empirical rule up here in bold, if this was just, say, a test question and it didn't blatantly say the empirical rule, how would you know it's okay to use the empirical rule? Okay, and, and, and let me ask you in a different way. How do I know, you're right, and how do I know it's safe to use the empirical rule? Yeah? And there's a key word that I'm looking for. Yeah, that's it, right there. That's your trigger. Because Chevy Chev's rule was for any set of data, and this is for bell-shaped data. But yes, you're right. Okay, so we start off by drawing. Um, we're going to center the curve at um, 515. And what I usually do is just remind myself that this, the standard deviation, I let it hover above the curve there. It's 114. Then you said, okay, well, 401, you think about how many standard deviations away that is, and it sounds like you did the crunching already. If, oh, 620, oh, 629. If you walk out plus one sigma, one standard deviation above the mean, you're saying that if I take 515 and add 114, I'm going to get to? Yep, so that is looking like plus one sigma. Can we verify that the 401 is minus one sigma, one standard deviation below the mean? So, in other words, we could take 515 minus 114 points and verify that that's minus one sigma. And now, you guys are really comfortable with this. What does the empirical rule say about what percent of the observations lie between plus or minus one sigma? 68%. Yes, that's right. 68% of the people. So the answer to part A would be 68% um, of the people would have scores between those bounds. Okay, I'm going to hit pause. Next one shouldn't be too bad, still drawing. Part B, it says what percent of the SAT scores are, uh, is less than 401 or greater than 629? So it's really just trying to get us to chop the curve and think about this geometrically. So they're trying to say what percent is less than this? Okay, here, here's 629 or greater than, so it's those same bounds that we had in part A, it's just we're thinking about a different geometric space. So, um, let's see if I can get you to say this. If from here to here is 68%, how much is left over for the tails? 32%. Okay. How'd you get that? Naturally, it can only be a maximum of 100%. Right. So you take 100, subtract 68, and you are left with 32. That's right. So 32% would be the answer. Um, I don't know why it's not letting me run in there to part B. Okay, I'll hit pause again. Okay, and last one is part C. What percent of the SAT scores, um, and so if, yeah, if I'm forcing you to make a sentence, you could say 32% of the scores for the part above are within those bounds. Um, what percent of the SAT scores are greater than 743? So we said the mean was at, I'm always going to put the mean back in there, 515. 743 is up here arbitrarily, but it says greater than, so we're practiced with shading to the right. Well, how many 
standard deviations away is 743. Two. Okay, so you're, we're looking at plus two sigma. Now, any gr there's lots of ways we could do it. <laughs> any grand ideas of how we're going to get that tail, this tail end here? So many different ways. I'll hit pause. So moral of the story is there's lots of ways to figure out how much area is in that tail. But one way to do it is if you were at plus, if you were plus or minus two sigma, we know that that would be 95%, um, and you'd have 2.5% area to share between the tails. So we know that there's going to be 2.5% area in the upper tail. But there's other ways to find it. All right. Okay, if you're going to talk about empirical rule, then usually with that is Chebyshev's rule as well, uh, which is not for bell-shaped data only. It's for any data set, just if you don't know the shape. Um, start with number 36, and it basically says, according to the U.S. Census Bureau, the mean of the commute times to work for a resident of Boston, Mass., used to live there, <laughs> is 27 minutes. Um, assume the standard deviation of the commute time is 8.1 minutes and answer the following questions. Um, the part A, the minimum percentage of commuters in Boston has a commute time within, or what minimum percentage of commuters has a commute time within two standard deviations of the mean? Well, we have to think back to what Chevy Chev said. So base, and I'll just, the best thing to do is to recite it. Chevy Chev says that at least one minus one over K squared percent of the data lie within k deviations of the mean. If you can recite it, then you'll know how to use it. And then what we basically said is, you know, what is k? k is the number of deviations away from the mean. And that's what they're giving us. That's what they're giving us in part A, two standard deviations um, of the mean. So, so basically in part A, I'm just going to let k equal 2. Go ahead and plug that in. Well, you can almost do that in your mind. 2 squared is 4. 1 over 4 is 0.25. 1 minus 0.25 is? Good, good. So we know the answer to part A is Chebyshev says that at least 75% of the commuters, and I usually practice reciting the language of the problem, um, have a commute time within two standard deviations of mean. Okay? I'll hit pause. Okay, so we luck out and they're actually telling us the number of deviations away from the mean. So even in part B, what minimum percentage of commuters in Boston has a commute time within 1.5 standard deviations of the mean? Now you know that that's your K. Um, and I can just scoot that down. It'll let me. So for part B, we're going to do sort of the same type of calculation, 1 minus 1 over 1.5 squared. So you're basically letting k equal 1.5. And then go ahead and convert that to a percent. You'll get a decimal, but convert that to a percent. Anybody get anything? Careful how you're crunching it out, like order of operation. Okay, so we crunch that out. We get at least 55.5%. And keyword minimum bound. So I want to talk a little bit about the language. In math, when you say at least, at least means greater than or equal to. So what you're really saying is 55.5 is the minimum bound. 
I mean, at least 55 means it could be more than that. So that is your minimum bound. A lot of people get um, sort of hung up on the language here about when they ask what minimum percent of commuters. Well, the minimum percent is that is that 55%. Okay, it could be more than that according to Chevy Chevy. All right, and we might as well finish off um, Part C there. So Part C says, what's the minimum percent of commuters who have commute times between three minutes and 51.6 minutes? So with that, we decided to sketch the curve and center it at 27.3 and figure out how many standard deviations above and below the mean those bounds are. So um, we decided that this was plus three sigma, three standard deviations above the mean minus three sigma, three standard deviations below the mean. That basically means your k is three. So one minus one over three squared could be converted to a percent as a decimal, but then it'll be converted to a percent, which is approximately, uh, let's see, yeah, I think so, yeah. So then we could say at least 89% of the commuters um, have times between those bounds. Okay.